0: Well, good morning, church family. I want to take a minute and brag on our Sunday morning staff and volunteers. We had no power this morning up until about 40 minutes before we started today. So we were like way behind, and they just hustled to get things going, and uh, probably a lot of you didn't even notice. So I just want to thank them. Yeah, the planned power outage that was supposed to end at (laughs) 7. In 1914, the world was at war. World War I was the worst war that had ever been fought up to that point, eventually claiming the lives of more than 40 million people. But something amazing happened on Christmas Eve of 1914, six months into the war. And maybe you've heard the story. Along the Western Front, German soldiers hiding in muddy trenches began to sing Christmas carols. And then British soldiers bunkered down in their own trenches on the other side of no man's land started singing Christmas carols as well. Finally, a German soldier yelled out, Come over here. And a British soldier said, You first. <laughs> and said, I'll come halfway if you come halfway. And slowly, all along the Western Front, enemies crawled out of their trenches to meet each other in no man's land. It was called the Christmas Truce of 1914. Enemies set aside their hostilities to shake hands, to hug, to exchange food. In one place, an impromptu soccer match broke out. And of course, it wouldn't last. After that, fighting started up again, and it would continue for nearly four more years. But somehow, even these soldiers knew that Christmas was supposed to be about peace. After all, Christmas is about Jesus, the Prince of Peace, The one we sing came to bring peace on earth. Our Advent series this year is called Practicing Christmas, and we're looking at the spiritual practices that can help us grow into the themes associated with Advent and Christmas. Part of our mission is helping people become more fully devoted to Jesus. And spiritual practices are a part of that. And last Sunday, Pastor Kate talked about hope and helped us look at the story of Simeon and Anna from Luke chapter 2 to see biblical hope calls us to the spiritual practice of waiting. Today, in this second Sunday of Advent, we're going to talk about peace. In the Bible, peace is not merely a truce where enemies temporarily stop fighting only to start back up again the next day. In the Bible, peace is about making things whole, making things right. The Hebrew word translated peace in the Old Testament is the word shalom, which means wholeness or completeness. Shalom is much more than a truce. It's about fixing what's broken, repairing what's ruptured, forgiving what's unforgivable. It's about restoration, healing, and justice. How do we become people of God's shalom? We look around and we see division, ruptured peace in families and in communities, in churches and in nations, we look within and we find ruptured peace, turmoil, and uncertainty, what practices can help us become people of shalom, people of peace who mend divisions and make things whole? To answer that question, we're going to look at the role of Joseph today in the Christmas story. So if you're able, would you stand for the reading of God's word today? Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 24. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, Joseph had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. You can be seated. This passage can be a little confusing at first because, at first, Joseph and Mary seem engaged, but then suddenly they're talking, he's talking about divorce. So let me clear up the confusion. Back in ancient Israel at this time, There were two stages to getting married. The first stage to getting married was the pledge, where two people entered into a legally binding agreement to marry each other. The marriage pledge was usually arranged by the parents, but with the bride and groom's consent. The marriage pledge was sealed with a ceremony, our equivalent to a wedding ceremony. Now, in our world and in our culture today, if you break off an engagement, it might be a hassle. You might lose your deposit. It might even be a scandal, but there aren't any legal ramifications to breaking off an engagement. But back then, if you were pledged, you were considered legally married. And the only way that bond could be broken was through death or through divorce. The pledge was the first stage. The second stage is when the bride would move out of her parents' house and move in with her husband. And this usually took place about a year after the pledge, although it could be longer or shorter depending on the circumstances. And this is when the couple would come together, consummate their marriage, and begin their lives together as husband and wife. So Matthew is telling us that it was in between the first stage, the pledge, and the second stage, moving in together, that Mary was found to be pregnant. Matthew adds the phrase, through the Holy Spirit, so we as readers know what's going on. But of course, at the time, Joseph doesn't know that yet. All Joseph knows when Mary is found to be pregnant is that the wife that he has been pledged to, the wife he has promised to be faithful to and who has promised to be faithful to him is now pregnant, and he is not the father. How do you think Joseph might have felt in that situation? Probably the way anybody would feel in that situation. Maybe angry or betrayed or hurt or confused. What would biblical peace look like in this situation? What does shalom look like in this situation? Surely this was the question that Joseph wrestled with. Verse 19 of our reading tells us a couple of things about Joseph. It tells us that Joseph was faithful to the law, That means that Joseph lived by God's law, the Jewish Torah. And the law, or the Torah, is what Jewish people back then called the Hebrew Scriptures, especially the first five books of the Hebrew Scriptures, what we today call the Old Testament. And Joseph sought to live his life in accordance with God's written word, the Scriptures, He was a person who sought to be faithful to what God required of him as he had revealed in his word. And with Mary pregnant and with him not the father, Joseph was surely concerned that he had been pledged to someone who did not share that same commitment that he had. And so Joseph reasons that the right thing for him to do would be to divorce Mary to end this relationship before it progresses any further. But verse 19 also tells us that Joseph did not want to expose Mary to public disgrace. Joseph could have easily destroyed Mary's life. Maybe he was even tempted to tell others in the community about what had happened, announcing to everyone on social media that Mary had broken her promise to him and gotten herself pregnant, to shame her publicly, to her family, to her community, to anyone who would listen in in modern terminology to cancel Mary. But that's not what Joseph wants to do. He wants to protect her from public humiliation, but he also wants out of the situation. And so as he considers his options, this is the course of action he determines. But then an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream, and that changes everything. The angel tells Joseph not to be afraid to take Mary as his wife, that she didn't cheat on him or break her pledge, that what's conceived and growing within Mary's womb is miraculous and holy, the work of the Holy Spirit. That Mary and Joseph are caught up in a much bigger story, an ancient story that goes all the way back to a prophecy 700 years earlier from the prophet Isaiah that a virgin will conceive. And the one who will be born of that virgin will be the one, the promised one, the Messiah. This baby Growing inside Mary's womb is a promise, not a problem. A cause for joy, not a reason for shame. And so God commands Joseph to take Mary into his home, commands him to be the one to name the baby Jesus, and to raise this child as his own, to protect and provide for Jesus as his own son, and to love and care for Mary as his wife. And verse 24 says that he did exactly what the angel told him to do. What enabled Joseph to do that? We put ourselves in his shoes, we can picture a lot of different ways this could have gone down. He could have been so hurt and angry with Mary's apparent betrayal that he did everything in his power to get revenge. Or he could have decided that the dream that he had of the angel was just a weird dream, that it wasn't really God speaking to him. Or he could have refused to obey the angel's command. But he didn't do any of those things. Joseph brought peace. He made things whole. And I believe he was able to do that because of the spiritual practices that were an ingrained part of his life. Spiritual practice is a rhythm or a pattern that we establish in our lives that open us to the work of God and the presence of God. Dallas Willard says that these practices are things that we can do that are within our power that enable us to do what is not within our power, much like an athlete performs an exercise or a drill in order to perform at a higher level. And I think this story reveals at least three spiritual practices that were part of Joseph's life that helped him become a person of peace in this situation. The first practice was faithful obedience to God's Word. Faithful obedience to God's Word. For Joseph, obeying God's Word had become second nature. He was faithful to the law. God's written word was Joseph's source of direction. And for him, it was the Torah, the Old Testament, especially those first five books. But for us as Christians, we have the whole Bible, all 66 books inspired by God to give us direction, to sustain us in our faith and to light our path in our decisions. And if we want to be people of peace, people who make things right, we need to immerse ourselves, as Joseph did, in God's word. We need to hear it, to listen to it, to read it, to pray it, and most important, to obey it, to be people who make things whole, to be people of peace, We need to know what peace is, where it comes from, what it looks like, how to achieve it. And this comes from God's written word. We start by listening to the word. When we we come to church, we hear God's word read and taught by our pastors. But eventually, we learn to read it for ourselves, much as a child learns to prepare their own meals instead of relying on their parents to cook for them. Our Advent devotional, the promised one that you picked up on the way in this week or last week, has a great daily scripture reading plan for throughout Advent and into Christmas to read it, and most importantly, to apply it to our lives, to obey its commands, to listen to its warnings, to claim its promises, to find ourselves in its stories, to live by its wisdom. This will enable us to become people of Advent peace, people who practice Christmas in our daily lives. Here's the second spiritual practice we find in Joseph. The practice of showing people compassion. The practice of showing compassion. You know, I've met people who immerse themselves in God's word but aren't very compassionate. Um, I've known people who could name all the Old Testament kings of Israel and Judah in chronological order, but who bully the people around them. People who read the Bible every day, but their lives are filled with unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment. Joseph was not only a person of God's word, he was a person of compassion. We know this because he didn't want to destroy Mary's life. Even though from everything he knew at that moment, she'd broken her pledge to him. And compassion doesn't happen in a vacuum. Non-compassionate people don't suddenly find themselves compassionate in a big situation. Showing compassion is a spiritual practice. We become compassionate in big situations as we learn to show compassion in small situations throughout our life. Without compassion, we will not become people of peace. And Joseph was a person of compassion. Lastly, we see the practice of humble decision-making humble decision making. Joseph's commitment to God's word and his commitment to compassion led him in one direction, but then God intervened with a dream to lead Joseph in a different direction. But hear this. I believe it was Joseph's commitment to God's word and his commitment to compassion that enabled Joseph to hear what God was saying to him in that dream. It was Joseph's commitment to the first two spiritual practices that attuned Joseph to discern what God was saying to him and enabled him to pivot and change directions. And so even though he started in one direction, to divorce Mary quietly, the practices that led him in that direction are the very same practices that helped him humbly change directions. Had Joseph disregarded God's word in his life, or had Joseph lived a non-compassionate life, I don't think he would have had the spiritual discernment to hear what God was saying to him in that dream and to make the hard decision that he did. Humble decision-making is a spiritual practice. And when we're committed to this practice, we do the best we can with our decisions based on God's word and based on compassion and what we know, but we keep our minds open, our hearts open, our eyes open for God to redirect us. Humble decision-making is flexible and adaptable, willing to change, willing to admit when it's wrong. One of the things I try to do when I'm facing a really important decision in my life is reach a point of indifference. And that doesn't mean I don't care about the decision, but it means that I try to internally disentangle my own ego and my own personal desires from that decision until I reach a willingness to go in any direction God may indicate. It's not easy to achieve that space. Joseph's decision in this situation is the most costly decision he could have made the difficult decision to take Mary as his wife, even though she was already pregnant, to raise Jesus as his own son, even though he wasn't. And surely some people mocked Joseph for that decision. In fact, we know from the rest of the New Testament that rumors would follow Joseph and Mary and Jesus about his birth throughout Jesus' life. Joseph made a costly decision, but he made the right decision. He made the decision that brought peace and wholeness. Humble decision-making as a practice will enable us to become people of peace. So on this second Sunday in the season of Advent, we celebrate peace. The Christ child who brings peace within Peace with God. Peace on earth. And in Joseph, we see some of the spiritual practices that can help us practice Christmas. to Become people who actually grow and practice peace. through faithful obedience to God's word. Compassion towards other people. And humility in our decision-making. Joseph's life would never be the same after this experience. After Jesus was born, if you know the story, King Herod tried to kill Jesus. And Joseph would have a second dream. A dream where God would direct him to take Mary and to take Jesus to live as refugees in Egypt until King Herod died. And even after Joseph brings his family back from Egypt to his hometown in Nazareth, Rumors about the circumstances of Jesus' birth would swirl around the community. Some people probably thought Joseph was a fool. But the Bible and history vindicate him as a man of peace, characterized by God's shalom. May we learn to practice peace like that as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this second Sunday of Advent as we light the candle of peace and as the Simons family has shared with us how peace has been brought into the uncertainty of their lives. We pray that you would help us grow into people of peace, both within and in our relationships. We anticipate our celebration of the Christ child's arrival who would come to bring peace on earth. We pray these things in his name. Amen.